Welcome to the Paul Stone Sports Podcast. For over 30 years, Paul Stone has been seriously handicapping college football, college basketball, and PGA Tour golf. Over the past five seasons, spanning almost 600 releases, Paul has hit 55% against the spread in college football, gaining the respect of sports books and bettors throughout the world. He is monitored by highly respected the Sports Monitor of Oklahoma City. Paul has also won two major Las Vegas football handicapping contests and finished in the top four in two others. Each week, Paul will provide exclusive handicapping insights on the podcast. To receive Paul's exact picks each week, you can sign up for member-only access at paulstonesports.org. Now, on to the show. Man, the train keeps uh, moving down the track. Seems like yesterday was Labor Day, the first uh, fall weekend of college football. And now, here we are, week number nine of the season, and all FBS teams have now advanced to the second half of their 2021 regular seasons, so the beat goes on. Hello everyone, I'm Paul Stone and this is episode 23 of the Paul Stone Sports Podcast. This week's podcast titled, There Is Indeed Strength in Numbers. Uh, it's been almost three and a half years uh, since the U.S. Supreme Court ruled in favor of the state of New Jersey effectively ending PASPA, the so-called Professional and Amateur Sports Protection Act. Uh, That had essentially limited sports betting to the state of Nevada for the previous 25 years. Since the repeal of PASPA in May of 2018, by my best estimation, I think this is correct, as we speak uh, today on Tuesday, October 26th, a little bit after 8 p.m. Central as I record, there are now 28 states plus the District of Columbia with some form of legalized sports betting. Uh, Another four states, including Louisiana to my east here in Texas, have legalized sports betting uh, but are not yet operational. All this to say uh, that with all this fast-twitch explosion of sports betting, there are a large number of freshly minted sports bettors entering the marketplace. And not only freshly minted sports bettors, but a lot of persons in the sports media uh, entity who perhaps don't have a long history in the industry, and they've become basically instant experts overnight. Uh, This is not to suggest that some of these new bettors, first of all, are not experiencing success or that all of the broadcasters and writers uh, now providing sports betting information are, you know, totally clueless. You know, that's absolutely a a generalization uh, and not true. But my point being that many media outlets, electronic, uh, print, and and everything in between, that wouldn't touch sports betting with a 10-foot pole five years ago, have now joined the fray and have a person, or persons in some cases, providing sports betting content to their listeners, viewers, and readers. Uh, Some of these persons work for mega media companies. Uh, Their platform reaches large numbers of persons. And some of these guys, and let's not forget the gals, you know, they might be knowledgeable of the brand and might have a uh, solid opinion. But let's be clear, you know, many, you know, to put it mildly, many do not have a solid opinion, I guess, for lack of a better way of phrasing it. You know, they couldn't make a number if they had to. 
And although, you know, they might routinely speak about value, you know, they probably in some cases would know value uh, if it hit them in the backside. You know, all this being said to set the table for today's sermon, which is, again, there is indeed strength in numbers. If you've listened to me, you know, through the years or even just the past four or so months uh, on this podcast, you perhaps remember hearing me say, I bet numbers, not teams. And that's really true. You know, sure, I would like for the team uh, that I'm supporting, you know, to be in good form and the team I'm opposing to be in poor form. And and I hope the injury report and and the fundamental uh, statistical analysis support my position. But those elements pretty much are already baked into the number, if you will. So what it comes down to is the number. My number versus the line maker's number. And when you're truly someone who indeed bets numbers, two elements you know, must be present, in my opinion. You must, first of all, number one, have solid power ratings. Better than the line makers, because again, 11 is still larger than 10. Uh, So you've got to have solid power ratings to craft a uh, legitimate strong point spread. And then two, you should be betting into the worldwide college football openers late each Sunday morning at the Circa Sportsbook in downtown Las Vegas. You know, some might ask, you know, why is it important to ideally be betting openers uh, if you're primarily someone who bets numbers and not teams? You know, and that's a fair question, in my opinion, and it's one that can be easily answered. You know, think of it this way. If you wait until Thursday or even later in the week to bet, how many people and how many millions of dollars have manipulated and influenced the number that you're now betting into? Uh, At that point, you know, the betting market is exceptionally mature. Uh, The number you're now taking aim at, uh, again, has been massaged by probably hundreds of thousands of bettors from virtually every corner of the world, probably. On the other hand, uh, you know, if you're among the relatively small number of people betting into the world's openers for college football each week at the Circa, you're getting the first shot. You know, you're, you're one of the very first, or in some games perhaps even the first, to bet into the numbers. You know, linemakers' mistakes get exposed over a period of bets, over a period of time. Uh, You know, sometimes uh, very, very quickly, uh, as I like to say, a line that's available at 11 a.m. on Sunday morning uh, when Circa and Matthew Metcalf promptly post their openers, that line that's available at 11 a.m., it may be three or four points different by 11.05 a.m., uh, some numbers, you know, however, they don't they don't move quite that quickly, uh, but you probably get the picture. You know, numbers perceived to be off don't last forever. Uh, and whether it's Matthew Metcalf, Paul Stone, or, or some other person presenting openers on 50 or more games uh, every week, sides and totals, they're going to make mistakes, and more than one. Uh, and those mistakes certainly, you know, they're not going to lay around until Thursday. Uh, they'll probably be devoured and uh, swooped up by the piranhas by 11.15 a.m. or so uh, on Sunday there at the uh, at the Circa. So it's a, a huge advantage if you do have access to those openers at the Circa and are able to bet those. 
So solid power ratings and access to openers is critical, in my opinion, if you're betting numbers, not teams. Uh, by Tuesday at the very latest and probably even earlier, uh, you know, that number versus team debate, uh, now that the numbers have been bet into, probably is more 50-50. So what I'm saying there, you know, kind of meaning that the team you're supporting or fading and the number you're playing them at, at that point, they're roughly of equal importance. Um, and that's, you know, um, that's the approach, unfortunately, most of us have to take is betting um, a little bit later in the week than the openers uh, at Circa because primarily most folks, you know, don't live in Nevada, uh, don't have access to those openers uh, at Circa. If you've got multiple accounts, you know, hopefully you do have access to college sides, maybe late Sunday afternoon or Sunday night. Uh, some of you may not be able to, to fire away until Monday. Uh, and for some betters, you know, their first opportunity might not come until even later in the week. Uh, I pride myself, first of all, you know, on, on having been successful uh, in sports betting, betting college football specifically, wearing, as I like to say, a wide range of hats. Uh, you know, I believe I've been successful, first of all, uh, betting college football games of the year and college football openers at Circa. Uh, but I think that I can change hats and, and change approaches and also be successful uh, betting into more mature markets later in the week. I think I've done, you know, pretty well at that as well. And thirdly, uh, you know, I've been fortunate to win two major contests, uh, handicapping contests there in Las Vegas. I finished in the top four and two others. And I'm hoping to add to that resume this year. There's a long way to go on the contest, but have got some possibilities there. Uh, now to circle back to, to sort of one of my original thoughts uh, involving this podcast, that being with so many people now having a mouthpiece uh, in the uh, sports betting media and other marketplaces, and with these persons possessing you know such a wide range of experience and expertise in the field from perhaps very little uh, to maybe hopefully uh, several years, I believe the potential in the sports betting marketplace for misinformation uh, and simply novice or untrue, you know, viewpoints is at an all-time high. Uh, and at the top of that list, I think, is understanding the number. The number on your ticket that has either a plus, a minus, or pick, and, and what that number means. And what is important, you know, everything that I do is geared towards long-term winning. That's my entire approach. You know, I'm much more concerned about perfecting the process than short-term results. A lot of persons will scratch their head probably and uh, maybe even resort to name-calling. But, you know, and I mean this, if you would rather have a ticket, and if you can follow along, if you would rather have a ticket at minus three on a team at minus three when the line closed at minus one and win that weekend's game then have a ticket at minus one when the line closed at minus three but you lose that weekend's game if you would rather have the uh, the former position then you're probably not a candidate for long-term success at sports betting you know, closing line value is so important. It's not the only thing to successful sports betting, but it's one of the most crucial components in my mind to winning in the long term. 
Again, when you're laying 11 and only getting back 10, you can't be routinely getting the worst of the number and expecting to win long term. You know, sure, you're going to win some Saturdays without having the best of it, uh, but eventually your bankroll is going to bear the brunt uh, of taking bad numbers. Uh, last year, I mean, I give an example of this. Last year, uh, actually, I think it was in the month of December, the first Saturday in December, you know, I publicized uh, Kansas State plus 10 over Texas uh, and under 53 in that same game. So um, publicized Kansas State plus 10, under 53 early in the week. The game closed at minus 7.5 and, and 51. So I feel good about my work. Uh, but as fate would have it, even though I had – two and a half points of value on the side and two points of value on the total. Uh, Texas absolutely boat raced Kansas State 69 to 31. Uh, it was both teams uh, high scoring game of the season by a wide margin. Uh, and it really looked uh, looked bad because my, uh, my two picks in that game, uh, the side on Kansas State and the under, although I had value, were both losers uh, and by a wide margin. Um, you know, and then after that game, you know, of course, people are going to tweet and everything and, and message me. And if they've got my phone number, they're going to text me. They're going to email me. And, I mean, you should have seen uh, the ugly, vulgar text uh, tweets and emails that I received in the aftermath of that Texas blowout. Uh, you know, I would blush to even repeat uh, some of the comments uh, that I received. And, and that was just from the, the ladies in my mom's bridge club. You know, man, those are some some nasty white hairs there. But I digress. You know, hopefully you get the picture. And the picture is this: when reduced to its when you when you reduce it to its simplest terms, I think this is the picture. And that picture is beat the closing line more often than not, and you've got a chance to be a long-term winning sports better. Now to this week's uh, shameless plug, uh, Paul Stone Sports this past week had a, a winning week on my premium releases. Hope to repeat uh, that performance this week for my clients. Uh, if you're interested in what I have to offer in terms of memberships, uh, you can visit paulstonesports.org. Uh, as of this recording, again, on Tuesday night, October 26th, I've already released five premium selections uh, with more to come. Uh, so if you're interested, again, that's paulstonesports.org. And also, you are uh, certainly welcome, and I invite you, if you would, to follow me on Twitter at paulstonesports. And now for this week's complimentary selection. And my complimentary, <laughs> complimentary selections, they've been so bad I can't even say it, have been stinkers in recent weeks. Uh, but the show, you know, must go on. Uh, like, you know, many... Guys who consider themselves solid handicappers, you know, you always prefer to be judged by as large of a sample size as possible. Uh, and I'm just providing, you know, one selection here each week. Um, you know, I'd rather be judged over hundreds of hundreds of games. Uh, and my record can certainly be verified at the Sports Monitor of Oklahoma City's website. But I need to get the ship righted on this uh, complimentary selection. I hope to give out a winner this week. I've been trying, but it just hasn't gone our way. And we're going to go west to Palo Alto, California. And that's where Stanford, the losers of three of its last four games, hosts Washington Saturday night. The Cardinal are laying two 
uh, to the Huskies in that game. Stanford's off a bye. Washington rallied on the road uh, this past week to defeat Arizona 21-16, extending the Wildcats' losing streak to uh, 19 games. Arizona actually led the game uh, over Washington 16-7 after three quarters, but just couldn't close the deal. And the win over um, Arizona was actually only Washington's second over a Power 5 team this season. In late September, the Huskies uh, needed overtime to defeat Cal at home 31-24. You look at this Washington team really banged up right now. I think Stanford is a superior squad. Uh, I recommend taking the Cardinal, laying the deuce. Stanford minus two over Washington. I want to go over one um, situation that, that happened last week as a result of um, betting the openers at Circa and getting the best of it and uh, kind of go over, you know, my mindset, my thought about the teams when I talk about, you know, I bet numbers, not teams. The uh, North Carolina State at Miami game was uh, a really uh, good game for me. And, again, that was based on having access to the openers. So I kind of go over uh, how my situation evolved in that game. And that game opened, um, surprisingly in my mind, Miami-Florida minus two. Uh, I was probably the only one in the world because it was, I think, the first bet that I punched in. I took North Carolina State plus two uh, at the Circa opener and then came back uh, later in the week and took Miami-Florida plus three and a half for half of my original bet. So I held tickets on both teams as underdogs. Again, North Carolina State plus two, I think probably the only ticket uh, in the world at that number, and then Miami, Florida plus three and a half. Uh, and as fate would have it, Miami, Florida uh, wins the game by one point uh, and both bets uh, win. You know, that's a prime example of betting numbers, not teams, because I had no opinion on the side whatsoever. It was a game that I really uh, was probably not going to bet just based on where the game was being played and the form of the teams entering and so forth. But the initial number jumped out at me seeing North Carolina State uh, as an underdog. And then uh, when it moved across zero and now Miami, Florida is getting more than a, a field goal at plus three and a half, uh, it, you know, it just, uh, again, piqued my interest and went ahead and did that. So there's not only when, when I took Miami, Florida plus three and a half, understand that there's not only the possibility of a middle uh, which occurred this time, uh, doesn't typically occur, but occurred this time. But taking Miami, Florida plus three and a half, it also serves as an insurance policy should Miami win the game outright, um, you know, and beat uh, North Carolina, uh, I guess, by more than two points in that scenario. So it gives you a insurance policy against your original bet as well. I'm not one to, you know, toot my own horn, but, uh, you know, I try to operate uh, as best I can with a sense of humility in all that I do. And, again, one, that typically doesn't, you know, work out that perfectly where you hit the middle. Uh, and, two, you know, this is, you know, this is not a novice approach. You know, this is not Sports Betting 101. Uh, it's not a doctoral course, no question about it, but definitely a little more advanced than your basic uh, – introductory course to sports betting but it's always nice when that works out but again people always ask you who you like and in that game I didn't like anybody 
but I like the number that I got originally, and I like the number that I got coming back with Miami, Florida, and it did, again, uh, work out. Next week, we're probably going to do a little something different. I'm going to kind of do a mailbag podcast. I'm going to uh, put a tweet out probably late this week asking for questions uh, that, that persons who listen to the podcast would like to see answered and select a few of those uh, perhaps on next week's podcast. And if there's enough good questions, I might carry it over uh, to the uh, to the following week as well. One thing I'll ask you maybe not to ask about, because it's going to have to be something in the off-season. I get asked about it often, and it is so complex. It's going to have to be done probably over two or three podcasts since I try to keep them relatively short. But power ratings, uh, that's going to have to be something that I'm going to have to take a lot of time because that's so difficult to explain. Very subjective. Um, there's so many different ways to do it. So many different numerical value systems that different handicappers apply to their power rating system. And, you know, I only, the way that I do it is the way that I know and I can, I, I believe in it. But it's going to take a while to explain that. So we're going to do power ratings in the offseason. We're going to talk about those. And hopefully people in the preseason, if they choose to take a stab at it, will have some information that might help them in crafting their own power ratings. But please send your questions. You can start now. You don't have to wait for the tweet. If you have a uh, question that you would like answered or a topic, whatever it might be, uh, please send those uh, recommendations to my email, paulstonesports at gmail.com. Again, that is paulstonesports at gmail.com. Well, again, the college football season is is flying by. This is the last Saturday in October coming up this weekend. Then we'll be into November. This thing's going way too fast, but we love this sport and uh, just uh, glad that we've got another great year of college football. It's been an exciting season so far, and there's so much more to go and and so many more questions to be answered, uh, and we're looking forward to it. So thank you again for listening to the Paul Stone Sports Podcast. And until next week, I am Paul Stone. Have a great weekend of college football. Thank you for listening to the Paul Stone Sports Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. And visit paulstonesports.org to sign up for member-only access to Paul's college football, college basketball, and PGA Tour golf picks and predictions.